This is the On Call Podcast. Your home for sports, news, pop culture, tech, and the obscure. And of course, your host, Michael Meyer. This is the on-call podcast. We are moving right along. I hope everyone had a, a great Father's Day this past week. I know I did. Spent. Time. Where did you get your father? Oh wait, you are the father. I got my I got my dad a card. It did not arrive. Oh, nice. it, it did not arrive in time. So I, I heard about that. But you know when you have to ship stuff. The, the mail system is not very, they're not very on time right now during this pandemic. So Yeah, you know what always arrives on time? Uh, Amazon E or Amazon digital gift cards. That's what I got my dad. Fair enough. <laughs> but uh, he, he already claimed it though. He's like, yeah, I'm going to use that. So that's a win. I've never even thought about What'd giving. What'd you get from uh, your kid that has zero dollars? What'd you buy yourself? The wife bought me a Apple Pencil. Second generation for the... Uh, oh, nice. I'm amazed by that. The writing capabilities on it, I was super impressed by. I take more notes now than I did when I was in high school now just because I can. and just swipe it away. So that thing is like 70 bucks, right? No. It's like 100, $150. $130. What does it do? Like what's special about it's it? It's truly a pencil for an iPad. Well, yeah, but like is it powered or something? Yeah, it's battery powered. I don't even know how long the battery lasts. Every time I... I because it clicks directly onto the iPad Pro, like you can hear the click. Like it's, yeah, it's pretty cool. And then she got me the Apple keyboard for it too, which is pretty fucking phenomenal. Oh, nice. So she gave it to me for Father's Day, and I've used it every day for work since. I'm probably not utilizing an iPad Pro for what it's for because it's for artists and everything. Is it? But it has taken over as a work computer for me. And it, oh, that's awesome. Uh, I've used it now for show notes and topics to talk about. I did realize there's a... Oh, I remember um, when, it, when I first got the iPad, I was trying to like hook it up to my editing station so I could have it as like a... I had, I, you could set it up as a second monitor, which was really small, which you, you can do that as, with yours too. Yep. It's called Sidecar. Uh, what's it called? Sidecar. Okay. And then also I'm assuming there's probably something to do with audio stuff you can use to do something with your roadcaster computer or something. Uh, you know, there is because everything now, because now this one has the USB-C instead of the lightning, every adapter they make now is set to roll like portable SSDs. The space these oh, days. Oh, cool. 500 gigs, spam. That oh, thing was probably like $200. 78. For a 500 gig USB-C SSD? Yes, sir. I will send you the link. I couldn't believe how cheap it was. That's pretty cool. You know, and then SD card readers and everything now. So when we record, bam, plug it right in into GarageBand. I can record on the go. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah what was I going to say? Uh, no, I don't think I had anything. For, the iPad, yep. For creators, I'm telling you, the iPad Pro is the way to go. For creating what? Well, this is because I can, I can literally be a decent dad 
and out and about and do shit. And even if I got five free minutes while I'm waiting for something, bam, I can re- edit this podcast because I'm a terrible, oh, really? I'm a terrible host and I can just click and do GarageBand the same exact way as I do on the, Oh, I can't complain. You need to f- learn how to use GarageBand better because I keep noticing these, uh, every now and again, one of these real hard cuts in this show. Yeah. I do need to work on that levels and fades. Yeah. That- yeah. Yeah. Anytime you, yeah, just throw, throw some extra fades in there. But, uh, I was gonna say, oh yeah, yeah. I used to use it with team viewer so I could, um, you know, like control my computer from the iPad, you know, you can like see your screen, yes. but I, I'm assuming that thing had maybe iPad has some, some sort of thing built in. Cause you're on a Mac, right? I am on a MacBook pro, a used old one. That's the, that's where the market's at right now. Do you, yeah. Do you have a, um, an external monitor with it? I have one. I just have to put the stand up. <laughs> it's oh not man, you're working on used. just the laptop screen. Yeah. I'm just not using it, but it's ready. I have Oof, all the extra got, uh, lightning cords and everything. Thunderbolts. I got a bunch of, mo- oh God, I, at one point I had four monitors. Uh, I usually always have like two different computers set up. But then there's an app where if you have a PC and a Mac, you can use your mouse like across both of them, but it's not super, it didn't work really great back then. Maybe it's better now. It has to. Because I hated switching mouses and I was like, why am I switching mouses? I shouldn't have to do this. Yeah, I see they're doing the, Apple has finally given up on Safari a little bit, and they're making it so the uh, the new iOS you can pick your favorite browser. So like everyone else picks, use Chrome. That will be your now home browser. Oh yeah, I use Safari on the Apple iPhone, but I use Chrome on everything else. <laughs> That's it. Only because it's like <laughs> I, I just never moved it from the that damn home bar. Yeah, yeah, same here. Same with your mail. It's not a bad browser on iOS. That's true. That's the only time it's good, but I would never download Safari for Windows. No. Oh, I don't think you can. Are you, I don't I mean, I don't know. I never would. No, you can't. Definitely can't. I'm never going to go out of my way to download Safari. Let's see. Oh, man. So, oh, I had an interview today with 7 oh. p.m. with a guy that has... He's a podcaster. He has ADHD. And uh, yeah, so for the episode where like I'm talking about um, ADHD um, and how it relates to intelligence. Yeah. So you know what? He just never showed up. Ghosted mm. me. I'm like, seriously, bro? What the fuck? Just send me a message and say you can't do it or something. It's fine. I don't care. So an ADHD was probably yeah. just- Yeah. He uh, forgot about it. And I got distracted. Got distracted. He probably ran into a cloud of butterflies <laughs> on the way there, or on the, <laughs> lost his phone because he couldn't remember where he put it. So yeah, yeah, and I can make fun of people with ADHD because I have ADHD, so it's okay. That's the rule, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I can make fun of Italians because I'm Italian, you know. Maybe he should get that uh that new game that just came out that uh from for, for prescription only. Yeah, a game that they. FDA approved for prescription purposes. That's interesting, right? I can't believe that that's a real thing. Why don't you explain what it is? I shall. So this game is meant for eight to 12 year olds. It is for prescription only. It is called Endeavor RX. And it is meant for children, uh, generally, generally meant for after school to help with their homework. It's kind of a basic game that you would have played on PlayStation back in the day. 
because it's not hugely graphic intensive, but the lights and everything that they focus on are meant to increase the ability to focus for the child because the constant changes of color and flash are meant to send the same chemicals that typical ADHD medications are supposed to, supposed to help with. And as of now, it's been pretty helpful and not very, very many side effects. So wait, are you talking about the research or you've used it? I don't have ADHD, so I don't, I've, I've used oh, it. Right? Yeah. So you could. Oh, I'm gonna get it prescribed. Shit. And oh man, I'm gonna reach out to them for that to sponsor that ADHD episode because the show will be out by then. So I could technically it won't be as hard to get sponsors. I think that would be awesome. That'd be. I mean, it just came out. And I think it's an awesome idea no, to yeah. not try to prescribe. I, I looked at the website and I don't, I don't even think they're, it's fully out yet. Oh yeah. It just got approved uh, like the 20th of June. No, it says if you'd like to be one or of the, the first to know when Endeavor RX can be prescribed, let us know. Okay. So it just got FDA I'm approved on like the 20th, which is you know, good for them because as someone who has done microbiology, chemistry, and childhood development. Drugs like speed, all the amphetamine-based Adderalls and whatnot, it does alter brain chemistries, especially through puberty. And the adult human brain is not, or the, the human brain is not done growing until you're 25. So you're constantly developing rewiring systems until you're 25. Yeah, that's okay. You're rewiring it when you... When you learn a new skill, too, it's just a more extreme thing. Yeah. But yeah, you should obviously avoid giving your kid medication if you can, but some cases are so extreme that they need it. Do you know what I'm saying? Like they fucking need it. For sure. There's just like during times when I was growing up, it was just prescribed to every fucking kid who didn't want to sit in time out or watch TV, you know, rolling from Blue's Clues to Dora to. Yeah. So like, well, these parents didn't know what to do with their kid that was home too much. So like, well, you know, he's got ADHD. <laughs> For me, it was like, uh, yeah, I can get by, but I, I couldn't live up to my potential. That's what it is. Like, that's why I decided I was like, I needed to get diagnosed and prescribed because, um, yeah, I'd like to reach my potential possibly. I think you're still growing. I don't think you've reached yours yet. You're limitless. Yeah. You're limitless. I'm peek all over you guys. I think you're limitless. I don't think you've reached yours yet. Although I do think you working on this other podcast as an own passion project versus doing it for a job is helping. Which one? The prodigy one or the other one? Well, the prodigy one. Startup, startup, the startup takedown. Because you just (laughs) told me about that one. How long have you been thinking about that one? Um... No, I knew I just wanted to start a podcast about something that I could just do pretty easily, you know, like not have to spend so much time editing. And then, and you know, that's interesting to me, just talking about different startups that are around, you know, so um, not really very long, maybe like a, well, I've been thinking about doing one like that for maybe a month, but I want, I came up with the idea, I think two or three weeks ago for that type of thing. Actually, originally I wanted to come up with like ideas for businesses in the podcast, like what's a problem? let's come up with a business right now. But this one I think is a little bit easier because I wasn't sure how that one would play out. Like how hard is it to come up with ideas like 
while you're being recorded. Yeah, you'd really probably have to milk it, kind of like a, an hour-long TV show that you have a seven-minute show yeah. where we're going to have to stretch <laughs> out and keep showing the same thing and discussing the same topic. Oh, maybe we could get um, startups to come on and act like we're investors and get them to pitch us like it's a shark tank. I'm in. I Let's would... come up with a business idea right now. What's a what's a what's a problem that you can identify in something that you're very knowledgeable about? So probably like your job is your what is it a home again home care home care provider on call? home um, health. Mine would be communication between physicians because we have the same initial phone line as patients do, but we're trained to identify problems. So I think wait first. What is it you do in case people are first listening to this episode? I'm a registered nurse, cardiac certified. But right now I'm doing home health and I spend a week on call at a time. Well, everyone knows doctor's offices are nine to five. I would like the the best way I think for success would be for communication between nurses and physicians, at least a more direct route. What's the current method? Call the office. The same solution generally, unless you develop a good rapport like there's there's a few physicians I have cell phone numbers and the what what's an example of a reason you would need to call mainly signs and symptoms of like stroke stuff but that's generally ER or a patient has had recent surgeries and now there's complications from that surgery that we could resolve at home like you need their approval yeah, I can't do anything without an order. Well, so I want to call an order and get it in or like the patient fell and I need wound care orders. I can't do much of anything without an order. And who pays you? Like what you work for a company or what? Yeah, I work for a company. Medicare and private insurance's company pays us. So why don't they already have this? I don't know. I, I really, it's because it's just a break in the system. Most Insurances and Medicare don't really think we are needed. You ask a patient. At or, all? Uh, yeah. Medicare has been trying for the last 15 years to eliminate home health. So every time they release a new Medicare, they are trying it's expensive, to. expensive, right? We're, we are less than 10% of the cost of what a skilled nursing facility is. And what's the value you provide to the patient? Lining up doctor's appointments. Wound care, medication teaching, uh, setting them up with facilities for transport. We're making sure that they get their doctor's appointments. We make sure that they know that they, we're also the voice for the doctor. Have a doctor's appointment. <laughs> yeah, we are. We set up. So today was a rough day. I had to call DCF for the first time. What is that? Department of Children and Families. Ah, uh, okay. I walked into a house. And walk through the doorway, look to the left, empty cans, waist high, completely isolating one part of the house. Can't, couldn't even pass through garbage, 10 feet by f four feet plus three feet oh. tall. Hoarding? Nope, just filth. It wasn't hoarding anything. It was, didn't take out the garbage. Went over to the patient, stool as in shit throughout the floor. I walked through shit today. Oh man, dude, it sounds like a rough day. It was so hard. Right, so yeah, you should have an app for, uh, uh, you know, like we use iPad, but it should be, it could be a phone app too, but where you can report 
any of that stuff, right? I, I mean, what do you, you have some sort of system for logging, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, like there's we have we have a website for us which is Kinzer, which is a massive company for communicating and dictating all of our records and everything that we do. And Home Health Kinzer or Wellsky Home Health and Hospice. And, uh, yep, it's Wellsky now, which it was Kinzer before. Wellsky bought it last year. So that's how we chart on all of our patients. We dictate everything, every system. But when I complete that, it goes to my office. It gets faxed to the doctor because it's 1987 and we rely on faxes. Oh, okay. But I'm assuming they have an, a, an API where you, or an option to, to like directly send it to doctors, but then the doctors would have to integrate that with their system. And they're private doctors or they're... All doctors. Like hospitals. There's hospital okay. doctors that we have to communicate with. There's concierge, which is a private pay, no insurance, cash money doctor. So that's the problem is that they're all different ones, so they would have to integrate the, the thing for themselves. Right. There has to be a way for us to be able to communicate major issues, and right now there isn't. And yeah. it's heart-wrenching. I'm just trying to think of what the, what the like, you know, obviously Wellsky could easily integrate that, you but think the, or you could build off of their API. The question is, how would you, what, what would be the best method to ha- let all doctors sort of like get that information? You know, cause like if it's, they need to be notified based on um, like if it's an emergency versus just updating the patient's information, their records. That would be the so huge issue because everyone sees an emergency differently. Now I worked with the code team. So my idea of an emergency is literally death. So I don't freak out until I know that there's nothing left as a viable option. But well, isn't it like life-threatening things that are immediate, like a heart attack, a stroke? I mean, that's yeah, but emergency, the, right? So oh, that that can lead to death, though, right? Yeah, something that's gonna you're gonna die from, right? Yeah. You'd be so amazed at the amount of people at the hospital who will call a rapid response, which brings a doctor and a, a team of people straight to the bedside, and it turns out that it's something minimal that just a bag of saline will fix. Well, this is not an emergency because mm-hmm. you didn't try A, B, or C. Right. It gets even you more. Turning it off first. Turn it <laughs> that's off. right. Flip it. So it's like it's, it's even more convoluted when you take someone at home in their environment where we don't have all those resources. So like when we have an emergency, we have an emergency. And 911 is not always what you want to do because most patients refuse to go to 911. They didn't, they're not leaving with an ambulance. Yeah, they're not trying to pay $800 or whatever it costs. Well, it's probably more now. It's like 1800 I think, now. Yeah. I Oh, it was a rough, it was a rough day. I spent a, a 15 minutes or so in the parking lot of that apartment scrubbing with uh, micro-kill wipes. And then I came home and showered because I felt so gross knowing that I was walking through human shit. You ever get hit on by the uh, patients? I got hit on by patients a lot more at the hospital because they're like, anesthesia was really winning, oh, yeah. winning the like, battle. Look at this tall drink of water. <laughs> what is oh. he, like six foot four? In nursing homes, <laughs> actually, it was way worse because dementia sets in and they think that they're like these 20-year-old fine pieces of ass and they're really... Ooh, yeah. That was never... I'll never I, forget that. She's be part of your job best. description. Yeah. You know? you have to, everyone would appreciate it. You have to. Yeah, it makes you feel good. I realize it's a little old lady hitting on you and she doesn't know oh, she's yeah. doing it, but it's like, hey, hey, you know yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not gay, but if a gay dude's like hits on me, I'm like, hey, still got it. You know? Confidence boost, yeah. You know what? Sure, I, I feel a lot better today. So mm-hmm. 
that would be my thing, but I don't see a fix to that because everybody that pays healthcare workers is trying to pay them less. So I don't see them finding a way to increase workloads that way. Well, that would not essentially decrease workloads because then your company's not sending faxes and they're not receiving faxes and then inputting it into their machine. So if you can um, directly enter it into their machine, you would be saving time, right? And resources. I'd be saving lives, but it would make more work for the doctors because if they all of a sudden are getting these urgent messages and they're just like a primary care and they don't like to do that stuff, they would they'd be irritated. Well, if it's urgent, don't they want, don't, won't they need to deal with it anyway? I mean, there should be like some sort of standard for that, which you can all figure out. But I'm just talking about like your, the information you have, shouldn't some of it go into the patient's file? That I mean, I'm have, assuming it does anyway. It, it does and it will. I just wish there was a more direct way to get it to the doctor rather than the couple day wait between the time I submit the information, it goes to their office, reception, medical assistant, nurse, doctor, like, it's just such, that's how shit falls through the cracks because there's no way for us to communi- communicate effectively. Right, totally. Yeah, no, I could definitely see that. You really yeah. you really helped to bring out the on-call part of this podcast. Okay, I know, ahead. and I was feeling we should, we should get back to the roots because, I mean, <laughs> the name is On-Call Podcast, but we haven't we talked about being on-call very much. We haven't. I'm dreading it. I'm on-call this weekend. I'm hoping it's okay. Yep. It's going to be sad. That's what I was thinking for your uh, episode of Startup Takedown. Uh, we could talk about um, like startups in the healthcare industry. And I was looking up some, but um, I, I need to do some more research. Well, uh, a coworker of mine, uh, when I worked at the long-term care facility, just started a new home health agency. Just started. Oh, so like his own company? Yep. He just started and opened. There's three employees. And while they work through their licensing, they are currently only able to provide uh, non-direct care. So like they can sign contracts, go to the patient's houses and tell them what they have to take, but they can't touch the medications and they can't provide hands-on care for the patient. They can only tell them this is what we have to do because so it's all about licensures, which is why I wouldn't start a home health agency. Which is why you won't start one. Right. There's a lot of separate insurances and shit you got to go through. It sounds phenomenal. I'm sure it's a way to make a shit ton of money. We have a lot of degrees in my house. We could do it, but it's a lot of paper tape. A lot of what? what oh yeah. It, that's I don't think that was that would be the big reason I wouldn't do it. It's a lot of fucking paperwork. A lot of lawyers. Yeah, I'm looking at all the services this uh, Welsh guy provides. Yeah, I'm a big it's fan. Like a lot. Honestly, as far as home health agencies go like that's the best one for us to use. There's, there's a lot of really shitty ones that make it impossible to read all the charts. Not that one. Oh, so they have, they're, uh, they're not like a, they're software as a solution or are they like staffing you guys too? They're just software and charting. Oh, cool. Yeah. 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 But it is the best one. There's probably how six. Hard it is to those contracts. I bet it costs a lot though. I wish more hospitals around here used electronic charting. Of the five local hospitals, only one of them is truly electronic. What are they? They have paper charts? Paper charts and scanning. Like there's a lot of scanning to bring it from like you write it up on the chart and then you scan it and it then becomes a PDF 
and an electronic chart. Oh my goodness. Yeah, someone needs to go to those companies and be like, this is how much time you could save and money uh, if you didn't have this system. So every year since 2012 or 2010, you have been supposed to be an electronic only charting company. You realize it is 2020. So there have been fines and levies against major corporations for not being fully electronic. Those fines only go up incrementally. So you have these big number crunchers and it's less money to pay the fine than it would be to implement this, you know, million and a half dollar electronic charting system and then pay for the, the fees on updates. Uh, yeah, but it's like a it's like an investment, right? Like sort of like the router is buy, buying your own router. Like, yeah, it, after, it costs money up front, but then after eight months, you're saving money, right? So it's sort of like that. It is exactly like that, and I don't <laughs> get it. And I, uh, it's that's one of the most frustrating things of healthcare, honest to God, because with paper charting, there is just so much stuff that gets missed. How many? You would have to look it up med errors in the United States alone. It's got to be in the hundreds of thousands of every year. Let's Ooh, see. I like their logo. Little Sky. Yeah, you want to shift uh, topics or are you coming up with some me- uh, medical error statistics? $251,000 annually based on medical errors alone. And just like uh, everything else. Like what, like per Per uh, zip code, and <laughs> <laughs> the United States just for med errors, and that's that. I mean, that's two hundred fifty-one thousand deaths a year. Oh, deaths! I thought you said. I thought you about uh, dollars total. No. I was like, wow. I was like, oh, deaths. Oh, deaths. wow. Yeah, God. And you know that that's that's a lot. You clearly putting a price tag on human that's, life. Oh yeah. Oh God. Yeah. 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 Oh sure. What's a what's a human life cost about? Well, whatever the value of their organs are, I guess if they're intact. Well, it depends if they have military training, because when I was there, they talked about how we're million-dollar investments by the time that they groom us and whip us into shape. So, Oh, you mean like the cost it took for them to do that? Yes, between food, housing, training, resources. Oh, yeah, yeah they're, you're like, oh, I'm a million-dollar uh, resource, and I'm getting paid what? I feel like I should right. get more money then, right? All yeah, this money to sure. train to pay me $22,000 a year. Thanks. Thanks, Uncle Sam. Yeah. We need less of you guys and pay them more. I agree. I do think we, uh, uh, I wonder how many more soldiers we have than the next closest, the next 20 closest. Oh, oh, look up the difference in our budget between the other countries. We're like, our budget for military is like the next three countries combined. It's insane. And like two of them are allies. I think it's like 18 of the next 25 it's just like a, it seems like it's just a literally like just a way that a government stimulates the economy. Just yeah, uh, you know what? I think that's one of the biggest reasons why we haven't defunded. Ooh, yeah, unfortunately though, it seems like a lot of that money goes to companies, you know, suppliers that you know that they buy their stuff from. But I mean, we also sell stuff. We sell um, missiles and weapons to other countries and stuff. <laughs> So true. But yeah, we don't need, we don't, we just don't need, I just don't think we need that to spend that much money. We should be putting our money into cyber warfare, you know? I mean, come on, that's how wars are fought nowadays. Um, not with 
um, missiles and planes and troops on the ground. I, I think boots on the ground is very World War II-esque. We don't need that anymore because how often, well, the, the second Gulf War, what did we have? 20,000 troops or something and we just blew the shit up and then they just surrendered. Yeah, That's, yeah, no. You want to fight a, Russia's, Russia's uh, fucking with our election? Well, obviously we're not going to go invade them because we're not trying to start world, the next uh, world war, which would be a nuclear one. Uh, why don't we just fuck up their election? You know, get we can get Putin out of power just by, you know, if we have enough cyber people doing the same thing they did to us and just uh, fomenting rebellion via Facebook. We have, we have to, right? There's no way that their tech is better than ours. We, there's no, no, it's that, not. I don't know how we're getting fucked with and controlled with in our tech stuff because we spend so much money to be a leader in it. I realize our chipsets and stuff are from China, but... Well, yeah, but they're doing it through Facebook, right? So they're doing it through social media. So how are we as a government supposed to stop that from happening? Well, let's just start a defund Facebook. So what we need to do is attack them right back so that, you know, they feel the same pain, you know? Like yeah. somebody messes with you, you just slap them right back and they're like, oh, that's what it felt like. You know, that's what I think we should do. Let's just put them on a media blackout. Let's just cut the internet string and let them see what they can do without, just cut their power. Yeah, just cut, push, cut power to Putin. Putin. And see how he likes well, it. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, he wouldn't like that. But I think uh, there's a, a thing to be said for doing the exact thing that the person's doing to you right back to them. But, yeah. yeah. There's a just psychology because, thing behind it. I'm sure that's this. I'm sure it's terrible to do that. Oh, God. Yeah. No, um, I, that's what in Overwatch, if I run a bastion on defense, they're, it's almost like a 80% chance they're going to run a bastion on defense just to. Uh, teach me a lesson <laughs> so sometimes i won't bust it out unless i'm on defense last but uh you know i have an interview tomorrow with robin hogarth he is the guy who came up with the wicked versus kind learning environment so like a kind learning environment would be like chess the rules never change but a wicked learning environment is where you know it's like your job you know things change you know like there's all these different variables it's hard to just learn a set of rules so i have to learn or i should learn uh her heuristics heuristics and all about cognitive bias and psychology of decision-making by tomorrow at 3 p.m. I don't think it's going to happen. Cognitive bias is not an easy one to learn. I know. What the heck, man? It is It's very gray. It's hard not to even, it's one of those things that's hard not to go into with a bit of a bias because it's one of those things that they talk about a lot for like childhood development and passing that on to yours. So, like, based on what you know is what you'll pass on. It's not. Uh, oh, heuristics is a is a. I know it's a system for decision making where you, um, you don't have time to like analyze everything. So you have these like preset of past experiences that you use to make a decision. I think I'm not sure about this. You think it'd be? I feel like it would be simpler. This is the first interview where I'm not like fully prepared. Like I'm gonna be like have to have him like. Like, oh, explain this for my listeners, you know, like, and then sort of figure it out as I go along. Because otherwise, I mean, you have to really understand a subject to ask those really good questions, I feel like. You'll just have to go into it like micro from Dirty Jobs. Just uh, you learn on yeah. the job and then you try to learn it while he describes it. True student. 
Yeah, this is going to be one where my interview skills are going to be tested. I'm just going to have to ask a bunch of open-ended questions and then like while he's answering a question, figure out a new one based on what he's saying. It's tough to formulate a question hearing an answer without understanding truly what he's trying to relay. Yeah, I should have enough time to like figure out the basics beforehand. But um, yeah, I was reading this, watching these TED Talks from this guy named David Epstein. He wrote these uh, books about one book about like, I guess, how much better we've become at sports, but then in a different way, he, about the reason that we've, we're so much better at sports now. And then really interestingly, he thinks it's better for you to, instead of specializing in a domain that like Tiger Woods, um, to go out and like learn a bunch of different things and then figure out what you are best into. And, and, um, that's like the most beneficial method. Um, but yeah, so that's where the wicked versus kind learning environments come from, where I got the idea. You know, I, that is very true. It's better for to, the best pro athletes did not specialize when they started. Oh, oh, so yeah, so that reminds me of what he was saying. So essentially, they had Us- Usain Bolt versus Jesse Jesse Owens. Jesse, jo- Jackson? Jesse jo- no. Jesse uh, Owens was the Olympic sprinter. Jesse that- Owens, yeah. That's yeah. it, right? So he did the fuck you uh, to Usain Hitler. Bolt was, if they had run today, they'd be four. Usain Bolt would have won by fourteen feet. But when they factored in the difference in the um, track, like uh, and the starting of, blocks, okay. it was like two feet or something. So it wasn't that necessarily that we got like that much better. It was just like the science behind sports is is better. Even down to fucking insoles in your shoes are probably. He was probably running in some fucking leather Nikes. Yeah. Jesse yeah, Owens yeah. is what, in the late 70s? Early 70s? I don't, oh, I don't, uh, I, Jesse? Jesse? I think Owens. it was uh, like the early 1900s. I can't remember exactly, but... Um, Still talked about today, so he, was, he fucking mattered. And they had like the four-minute mile thing, and it was like the first guy, like people thought it was impossible, then one guy did it, and then now it's like something that like occasionally a high schooler will do, you know? Um, but he was just talking about like why and stuff like that. It was pretty interesting. Yeah, it's TED Talk, David Epstein. Look him up on YouTube. It's really interesting. Yeah, I knew he was part of Hitler and what the fuck I said, the 70s. He was in the 30s, 1936 okay. Olympics. Well, I should have done my research. So speaking I reached of, out to David Epstein, but he has not returned my, speaking, my email yet. Speaking of fuck Hitler, and uh, I, don't, I don't know how much you follow the news, but there's been a lot of um, accusations out there. This has been... You know, we've had Black Lives Matter blown up the last couple of weeks. And, you know, we talked about Danny Masterson getting charged uh, last week. And now today, Ron Jeremy, like women are speaking up and people are starting to hear women and they're, I cannot imagine how much it sucks to be in Hollywood. Like it's the, the dirty, gross people that are in charge are just a fucking... Oh, it's disgusting. Men in power. Good thing I don't have There was any. another uh, porn star that got accused of that too, right? The guy that um, looked like, looks like Zach Braff or something. I think so. There was a bunch in wrestling that came out in the last two or three days too. Or like professional wrestling? Yeah. Uh, pro, pro, semi-pro, I guess. I mean, you could, if you're getting paid for it, technically you're professional, but like not the WWE. So... Florida Championship Wrestling, I think, is where he was at. Getting charged, like a promoter, guess got charged and accused of rape from like three different women. Ugh, man, 
Yeah, I know. I never understood where the you're handsome, you're rich. Why are you going to go rape somebody? Well, Ron Jeremy's not handsome, but um, you know, but that's not the correct way of looking at it. I guess it's sort of like a mental thing, disorder thing. You know, it's, it's crazy. I, <clears throat> it's hard to follow the news these days. There's nothing good coming out. What? There's no empathy in people, man. It's like, how would you feel being raped? You know, that's how bad it feels. For them, you know, like that's what I don't understand. So the people lack empathy, but they're not like everybody. I'm just saying they're like sociopaths or whatever. I feel like there's a lot of it. It comes back to my nursing education as far as uh, nature's nurture and the first six to 12 months of a child's life and not getting the, uh, you have a detachment issue. If you weren't hugged and provided with enough human love to feel true contact and embraces you have a true d detachment from developing real relationship as you get older like it's so crazy the first six months of your life can literally affect the rest of your life yeah well trauma you know i mean you're familiar with P the concept of ptsd um but uh also i mean they have like look at the unabomber i mean he and his brother you know his brother turned out fine and you know he went off the deep end so Sometimes I think, you know, the way that we inherit mental disorders, you know, sometimes genetically, well, always genetically, but are they inherited or are they just like random or what the deal is with that? Some people are suggesting that uh, um, schizophrenia can be caused by pruning, which is the concept whereas, you know, like we were talking about, you like learn a bunch and really in like one short area where you learn, lose all these like neurons and connections for other stuff and that can cause it. So he was so good at math that I don't know. It's just a theory. It's a, uh, I don't know. I've, what do you think we know less about space, the ocean or brains? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> that's right. The, that's, oh man. I went, I, I deep dove there. Well, the ocean Definitely not. I'm not even considering that one because, yeah, it's just like species that are down there that we can't get down there. But space, yeah, there's a ton of stuff with physics that we don't understand, just to physics in general. We're just scratching the surface barely. And then brains, yeah, I was talking about this earlier. We don't really know all that much about them either. Yeah, um, there's... So, but we're, you know, we're learning more and more about behavior and psychology and stuff like that. We're trying to develop more and more complex models so we can understand it better. But yeah, the nature versus nurture debate, you know, it's still hotly debated. But obviously, you know, it's a, it's a combination of both. We're just trying to figure out exactly how much and what factors there are. Yeah, what, what dopamine or uh, other chemicals affect through adolescence? Uh, what are you not getting enough of yet? A twin brother is getting the proper months. Like how much of everything is inherited how much, we don't even know exactly what drugs uh, a mother-to-be can take. So you, we don't even know what we can pass on, let alone how much that child's brain's growing those first 10 months. It's Ooh, crazy. And another thing with uh, cognitive biases, uh, outliers. So let's say we're talking about this subject. So we're talking like you know, bell there's curve? There's an outlier. What? Like the bell curve? Like you elim immediately eliminate the bottom 10 and the top 10? And you well, yeah, so... But outliers, like, uh, what's his name? What's his name? Like, um, let's say, uh, who's an outlier? Let's say, let's say the Polgar sisters, you know, the chess prodigies, they're outliers or whatever. I'm trying to remember a better example. Kaczynski uh, is an chess, outlier. What? Ted Kaczynski technically be an outlier because his IQ is above 
you know, he's in the top 3% of an IQ. So he technically you can't even count him towards anything truly top substantial. 1%. Yeah. You, you can't count anything. Top 0.1%. Yeah. He, right. He but so count. those things get reported on so much that people think that it's more common than it is. Yeah, so dude. that influences people as well. Like, uh, maybe like flat earthers, you know, like how many flat earthers are there really? Maybe like, I don't know, 25 or 50 or something, but they get reported on so that you think there's like thousands of them or something. I've only met one and he was only truly a flat earther for like two and a half, three years before he finally opened up his brain to look at other things rather than looking at his YouTube clips and listening to other flat earthers. He's like, okay, Ooh. so what is this math? And then to understand the the physics, like, well, this the 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 three percent grade of the the world to know that at this distance it should be here, but if it's flat, it would be here. Like it took true geometry and math to break it down for him. Oh, this is a really good actually you just give me a thought for my interview tomorrow. I'm gonna ask about the psychology behind people who believe in conspiracy. Sorry, conspiracy theories, because I believe, you know, in my experience, anyone that I've met usually believe in a bunch of them. Well, so I'm going to ask about that one. Ooh, there's a there's a few I believe in. Which ones, though? Uh, a lot of it's uh, there's there's some governmental conspiracies that I have to believe in, you know, like the Bilderberg group. I feel like there is something going on. There's a reason why so many people meet up uh, you know, a hundred of the most powerful. Can you leaders. explain that one? I'm not familiar with it. So the Bilderberg Group started in the 20s, and it was the top 80 most powerful countries meeting up. And it was originally meant to try to establish freedom for Poland is how one politician started it and invited other people to this summit. And it was in a Bilderberg hotel, which was it was in Asia or in Europe somewhere. And then it became a annual thing, which now it's the top 120 countries and to them they say it's more like a g7 summit which is incredibly boring talking about politics and then a bunch of leaders describing what they want to happen for the next year if you listen to the conspiracy it's more about give and take it's truly a like a poker game where like uh, a small nation is going to talk about how they want this this upcoming year and then what they're willing to give up. Like it's a negotiation and tactic to control the rich and decide what's going to happen because these rich people are the ones heading the Bilderberg group. They're going to figure out how they're going to keep rich. They're going to stay rich and we're going to do this and this. We're going to control these world wars to make sure these broke fuckers stay broke. And we're going to control the stock market. So the rich people can, can you continue? All right, so you know, can we go over some of the holes in this? Go ahead. Go ahead. They're already rich, right? Mm-hmm. That's all you need to stay rich. Is yeah. to be rich. Yeah, because they're the ones in the Bilderberg group. So the... But no, that's what I never understood is like, what is the reason behind control? Is it just, is it power for the sake of power? Why does it, why does someone say like Donald Trump, who was a reported billionaire, why not take a job that's $400,000 a year? Right, right. Well, yeah, yeah. Right, because his ego. He's a, a classic narcissist. Okay, how does Bill Clinton, who was a completely unknown Arkansas Democrat who had only been governor for one term, all of a sudden become the choice 
for the Democratic National Convention, and then president, who was a completely unknown politician to president within a year. Barack Obama, 2008, didn't even complete one term as a senator and is then president. Yeah, those. I mean, the the psychology behind those grassroots or sociology behind those grassroots viral movements. I mean, they were also something. present at the Bilderberg Group meetings Ooh. the year that they were nominated. Nice. All right, see, <laughs> uh, another one. The 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 odd Denver International Airport. Wait, wait. Is this another conspiracy theory? Yeah. Denver Let's break it off here and start a new episode for about conspiracy theories. All right, this has been the On Call Podcast. I only covered two topics I wanted to. Got started talking about government conspiracy theories. I'm probably now on a list. And uh, uh, if you guys don't hear from me again, they found me. This has been the On Call Podcast. Hit me up on uh, On Call Pod at Twitter. Hit me on at gmail.com. Have a good night. Thanks for listening to the On Call Podcast. Check us out on Twitter at OnCallPod. Interested in being a sponsor or want to be on the show? Drop us an email at OnCallPod at gmail.com. For more info, go to OnCallPod.com.